1980s were an exciting time for Americans. Many new types of technology and forms of entertainment were emerging. What were some of these new items? What was daily life like in the 1980s? The American family was changing in the 1980s. Many families felt a need to increase their disposable income, and as a result, more and more women continued entering the workforce. Additionally, broken marriages were becoming more commonplace, with divorce rates reaching their peak in the latter half of the 1970s and remaining high throughout the 1980s. 1982, what a year it was. 82 would see some now iconic items taking shape. A gapped tooth comedian take over late night, the emergence of the war on drugs most laughable catchphrase, and the rise of the machines. And let's not forget, 1982 would be filled with plenty of spicy drama. We're going to talk about the news, culture, sports, and entertainment, and all that was weird in the 80s. This is Timeline. Today, we're moving on to 1982. But before we get started, be sure to subscribe to the Weird History channel and let us know in the comments below what you miss about the 80s. Okay then, are you ready to do 82? Don't worry, we've got you covered. This is 1982. Starting off in 82, 10-year-old Donnie Priest would be the sole survivor when his mother, Lee Vaughn, and stepfather and pilot, Ron Vaughn, flew a single-engine Grumman AA-5B plane into a snowy slope near the northeastern edge of Yosemite National Park. After spending five days in freezing weather, Donnie Priest was found by a search and rescue team. Priest lost both of his legs below the knee due to severe frostbite. Switching to the courts, the Honorable William Ray Overton voted in favor of Act 590 on January 5, 1982, also known as the Arkansas Balanced Treatment Act, which was a law that required the teaching of creationism in classrooms. Kids got a dose of real science with the theory of evolution, Charles Darwin, and genetics, as well as creation myths, Noah's Ark and Adam and Eve. We go to Cuba, where Ubra Blanca was a cow, but not just any cow. Spanish for white udder, Ubra Blanca was known for the enormous amount of milk she produced every day. In Cuba, on January 5, 1982, Ubra Blanca produced 110 liters of milk. That's 29 gallons to us Americans. This really impressed Fidel Castro. He often referred to Ubra Blanca's prodigious output in speeches as evidence of communism's superior breeding skills. Third and three. We'll see a pick of some kind on the right side, possibly. Montana. Looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. I Love Rock and Roll was originally recorded by the British band Arrows in 1975. The song went mostly unnoticed until Joan Jett and the Blackhearts recorded their version of it, released as a single on January 19th. Jett's version reached number one on Billboard's Hot 100 exactly one month later on February 19th. Staying with music, while performing at the Veterans Memorial Auditorium in Des Moines, Iowa on January 20th, during his Diary of a Madman tour, Ozzy Osbourne picked up a fake bat and bit its head off. Well, Ozzy at least thought it was fake. 
Mark Neal, a 17-year-old fan, threw a real bat on stage, as one apparently does when in Iowa. And due to fog machines, a flashing light show, and lots of drugs, Ozzy picked it up, held it above his head to the crowd, and proceeded to take a batty bite. Neal has said that the bat was already dead when he brought it to the venue, but Ozzy swears the bat bit him first. We don't want to spend all our time discussing uh, you biting the heads off stuff, but uh, is this okay to be doing this stuff? Sticking with Dave, on February 1st, David Letterman debuted Late Night, arguably the most exciting, innovative, and insane late night talk show ever. In its 11 seasons, Letterman would throw crap off buildings, introduce us to stupid pet tricks, and host incredible bands that would have never gotten the chance to perform on television otherwise. His first guest was the one and only Bill Murray. Dave Letterman, come on, everybody up! Everybody up! Released on September 13, 1981, it took the Jay Giles Band's centerfold over four months to hit number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. But when it did, it stayed there for six weeks. Staying on the music theme, by the mid-70s, jazz legend Thelonious Monk had disappeared from the scene he influenced so greatly with his unique improvisational style. More than a complex musician, he was a complex person. Sadly, jazz historians attribute his quirky behavior to manic depression and schizophrenia. Monk died on February 17th. Another sad passing happened in March. Philip Kindred Dick, the world-renowned science fiction writer responsible for some of the genre's most influential work, died on March 2nd. Months later, Blade Runner, which was a film based off the Philip K. Dick novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, debuted on June 25th, 1982. Good evening, I'm Marty McNeely for WGN News. Comic actor John Belushi died today at a rented hotel bungalow in the Hollywood Hills. While holed up in the Chateau Marmont in Los Angeles, John Belushi would go on the last party bender of his life. Just after midnight, Belushi was visited separately by his friends Robin Williams, Robert De Niro, and Catherine Evelyn Smith, who we'd find out later was the person who injected Belushi with 11 speedballs, which led to his death. Smith eventually served 15 months in prison and was later deported to Canada. Now, we go to the New Orleans Superdome, where the North Carolina Tar Heels were down by one with less than 20 seconds left in the game. Freshman Mike Jordan then sinks a 16-foot jumper, helping the Heels win the NCAA championship. Shot, Jordan, Michael Jordan. On this night, Mike became Michael. We may see this Michael Jordan guy a few more times this decade. Jane Fonda's first exercise video debuted on April 24th, simply titled Workout. Inspired by her best-selling book, Jane Fonda's Workout Book, Fonda brought aerobics to the masses. Next, a music and crime story. While driving his 1977 Porsche Turbo Carrera near Sunset Boulevard, Rod Stewart was approached by an armed gunman in broad daylight. The gunman demanded the keys to Stewart's $50,000 wheels. That's $133,000 converted for inflation. Hopped in the car and sped off, leaving Rod and his three-year-old daughter, Kimberly, on the curb. It doesn't pay to not pay your taxes. Actress Sophia Loren voluntarily surrendered in Italy and went to jail on May 19th. The charges stemmed from a discrepancy on her 1974 tax return in which she filed in a lower tax bracket. She then served 17 days of a 30-day jail term in a women's prison. The beloved Satchel Paige. But his exact date of birth was one of the mysteries that came with him into the big leagues when he pitched his first game for the Cleveland Indians after being drafted from the Negro League. Jack, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't think it but a very few people in the United States know my age or where I come from even now, let alone know my age, because I've been playing ever since I was a kid. I never had a job. But still, they say I'm 100 years old, and everybody I meet, they say they played ball with me. Some of them's 100, some of them's 85 and 90. <laughs> we now go to the courts. 
On June 15th, the Supreme Court made a landmark decision when it ruled that states cannot constitutionally deny students a free public education on account of their immigration status. The case began in 1977, when four immigrant families sued the Tyler, Texas School District after their children were kicked out and then told they had to pay tuition to gain entrance into their schools. Staying with the justice system, on June 21st, having been charged with 13 offenses, would-be assassin John Hinckley was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Hinckley wrote that the assassination attempt was the greatest love offering in the history of the world, in an odd way trying to win actress Jodie Foster's heart. I, I believe that it's, you know, that the, the letters were assumed to have been, you know, love type letters. But that he was extremely disappointed that Foster didn't accept and return his love for her. During the early 80s, the Soviets were trying to develop a pipeline that would carry natural gas across Siberia. Unfortunately, the Soviets lacked the computer software to manage the pumps, valves, turbines, and storage facilities that a pipeline of this scale would require. The United States had the software, but there was no way in hell Uncle Sam was going to sell the secret sauce to their Cold War foes. So when the CIA found out that the Soviets had been stealing classified government documents for years, they thought it would be the perfect opportunity to add a Trojan horse to their coveted pipeline software. The incorrect software code caused a major explosion of the Trans-Siberian Gas Pipeline. The result was a blast so monumental, balls of fire could be seen from space. Speaking of space, E.T. fell from the sky and into our hearts on June 11th. By the end of its theatrical run, it had grossed $359 million in North America and $619 million worldwide. At E.T.'s peak, Spielberg was earning $500,000 a day from his back-end stake. The Hershey Company's profits increased by 65% thanks to their product placement of Reese's Pieces. Besides E.T., another alien movie fell from the sky. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live, inside. Next, some baseball news. Cale Ripken Jr. started as shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles on July 1, 1982. Cale Jr. would go on to play in 2,632 consecutive games finally ending his streak on September 20th, 1998. Incredible moment. An amazing sight, almost overwhelming. On July 2nd, Larry Walters completed a 45-minute flight with 45 helium-filled weather balloons tied to an ordinary patio chair. Lawn chair Larry rose to a little over 15,000 feet in altitude by Long Beach, California. Walters took with him a CB radio, sandwiches, beer, of course, a camera, and his pellet gun. The pellet gun naturally would be used to shoot several of the balloons in order to lose altitude and land. Unfortunately, Larry's balloons got tangled up in power lines and he was arrested after freeing himself from his aircraft. It wasn't all bad though. Walter's flight would go on to help inspire the 2009 Pixar film, Up. Staying with the movies, tragedies struck the set of Twilight Zone, the movie, when a stunt helicopter crashed, killing actor Vic Morrow and two child actors, Micah Din Lee and Renee Shinyi Shen both hired illegally. Director John Landis and three others involved with the movie were eventually acquitted of manslaughter charges in a nine-month trial which spanned 1986 and 87. This is a terrible, terrible accident that obviously will cause pain and anguish to all of us for the rest of our lives. Steven Spielberg, the co-producer of the movie, was so disgusted by Landis's handling of the situation, he ended the friendship. A moment for video game nostalgia. Atari was the leader in home video game consoles for five or so years. But on August 1st, ColecoVision debuted. Because your vision is our vision. ColecoVision. 
The ColecoVision console offered a better user experience, with graphics and gameplay that was closer in comparison to the game systems one would find at a video game arcade. Unfortunately, ColecoVision was discontinued in 1985 when Coleco withdrew from the video game market. On August 27th, Ricky Henderson broke Lou Brock's Major League single season record by stealing his 130th base in the third inning against the Milwaukee Brewers, where he'd go on to steal three more that game. The first commercial compact disc was produced on August 17th. The artist? The classical composer Claudio Aro, a Chilean pianist best known for his interpretations of 20th century composers. The album, Oro's 1979 recording of Chopin waltzes. We turn to some true crime. While delivering newspapers between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. on September 5th in Des Moines, Iowa, 12-year-old Johnny Gosh disappeared without a trace, but was presumed to be kidnapped. Two years later, Gosh, along with another missing boy, Eugene Martin, became the children to be featured on the National Child Safety Council's new Missing Children Milk Carton program in the United States. We go to Monaco. On September 13th, Princess Grace Kelly was driving back to Monaco from her country home in Roccagel when she lost control of her 1971 Rover P6 3500, driving off the steep, winding road. Kelly was taken to the Monaco hospital with injuries to the brain, thorax, and a fractured femur. Doctors surmised that she had suffered a minor stroke while driving. Princess Grace died the following night. A first for pop culture journalism. Although USA Today was first distributed to the Baltimore and Washington, D.C. metropolitan areas on its launch date of September 5, 1982. Scott Fallman, a computer scientist and professor emeritus at Carnegie Mellon University, used to be part of a primitive online message board with his computer science community. Yes, there were online message boards in 1982, and they were used by Fallman and his colleagues. The problem? People on this group chat used to pepper in sarcastic comments and jokes. On September 19, 1982, at 11.44 a.m., Fallman posted this note, which would solve everything. From Scott E. Fallman, I propose the following character sequence for joke markers. Colon dash right parenthesis. Actually, it is probably more economical to mark things that are not jokes, given current trends. For this, use colon dash left parenthesis. Ah, the innocence of it all. The 1982 NFL strike, which began on September 21st, wasn't the first instance when football players walked, but at the time, it was the longest stretch fans went without a game. Without professional football is about as unusual as a Cleveland winter without snow. A football player strike wouldn't stop the snow, but it would empty out the stadium and a lot of people's pockets as well. After 57 days, the players' union and the NFL came to an agreement, and the Washington Redskins eventually went on to beat the Miami Dolphins in a shortened nine-game season. September of 1982 brought some NBC classics. The precious hours spent in the familiar abode with loved ones playing a heartwarming game such as this are, are what make memories that one can treasure for all eternity. When did all that occur to you? As I was coming down the stairs. <laughs> all right. Might as well put on some music. All these weird gadgets, you'd think they'd give you a radio. What would you like to hear? What the hell was that? Staying with TV, on September 24th, 1982, Coy and Vance Duke made their debut on the Dukes of Hazard after the cousins Bo and Luke left Hazard County to fulfill a lifelong dream of racing on the NASCAR circuit. Well, that's how the show explained it. In reality, John Schneider and Tom Wopat filed a lawsuit against Warner Brothers for $25 million, alleging that Warner had shortchanged them Duke boys on royalties. After Coy and Vance's season five ratings tanked, Warner Brothers ponied up the dough and Bo and Luke were written back into season six. Well, Coy and Vance, well, Brian Cherry, who played Coy Vance, went on to play Deputy Will Roxy on an episode of Murder, she wrote. That's cool. 
we find ourselves in an unsolved crime story. It all started on September 29th, when 12-year-old Marianne Kellerman of Elk Grove Village, Illinois, died after taking the over-the-counter pain reliever. Within the next few days, six more people died, but it wasn't until two Chicago firefighters, Richard Keyworth and Philip Capitelli, realized that all seven victims had taken extra-strength Tylenol prior to becoming ill. While every bottle of Tylenol was recalled, the only contaminated capsules were found in the Chicago area. As far as we know, the children's Tylenol, the chewable, have not been implicated yet. To this day, the culprit has never been caught, but the murders led to new tamper-proof medicine containers and hundreds of copycat attacks. If we go to the parking lot of Tony Roma's in Las Vegas, it was a normal day for Frank Lefty Rosenthal. After getting into his Cadillac Eldorado, Rosenthal noticed flames flickering out of his caddy's dashboard defroster vent. And the next thing he knew, Lefty was rolling around in the parking lot, trying to snuff out his suit, which was on fire. Seconds later, Lefty's car blew up. In 1995, Martin Scorsese opened his masterpiece Casino around the assassination attempt. He could have had the food and beverage job, you know. Afternoon, everybody. Hey! Oh. Hey, Nami, what would you like? I don't know, you got anything pale and cold? Yeah, but it's Diane's day off. Co-founded by former U.S. First Lady Betty Ford, the first Betty Ford Clinic opened on October 4th in Rancho Mirage, California, about 10 miles northwest of Palm Springs. Ford came up with the idea after her own battle with alcohol dependence and diazepam addiction. Ten days later, on October 14th, President Ronald Reagan took a different approach to drugs. He declared a war on them. Later in October, when a fourth grader at Longfellow Elementary School in Oakland, California, asked the First Lady Nancy Reagan what to do if approached by someone offering drugs, Nancy said, Just say no. Just say no to drugs didn't really have an effect on John DeLorean, who was arrested on October 19th by the U.S. government. During a sting operation, DeLorean laughs it up with undercover federal agents, making a sweet $24 million deal to traffic cocaine. DeLorean claims that he only did it to save his failing sports car company. DeLorean would have the last laugh, though. Two years later, at trial, DeLorean's lawyer successfully argued that the FBI and DEA had targeted and entrapped DeLorean himself, simply because he and the DeLorean Motor Company were financial wrecks. On the car note, Honda became the first Asian car company to produce cars in the United States on November 1st with the opening of the Marysville Auto Plant in the heart of the Buckeye State, Ohio. The first Honda to roll off the floor of the plant was the 82 Honda Accord. And by the way, Marysville, Ohio, Mad River, just wonderful skiing there. To the world of sports. We go to Caesars Palace in Las Vegas on November 13th, where a 21-year-old Ray Boom Boom Mancini was set to defend his WBA lightweight title against the 23-year-old South Korean challenger, Duck Koo Kim. After 14 brutal rounds, the ring referee called the fight on a TKO, and the victorious Mancini kept his title. Moments later, Kim collapsed and fell into a coma, having suffered a subdural hematoma. Kim died four days later. The impact was great. Mancini blamed himself for Kim's death and fell into a deep depression for years. Three months after the fight, Kim's mother committed suicide. And on July 1st, 1983, the fight's referee, Richard Green, also ended his life. Coming back to music, Michael Jackson released Thriller on November 30th. At its peak, Thriller sold one million copies worldwide per week. And by the end of 1983, it became the best-selling album of all time, having sold 32 million copies. I also forgot to thank Quincy's uh, wife, Peggy Jones. She was a great help on the E.T. album. 
You hate to see this happen. On December 6th, Maureen Martyr signed an agreement with Paramount Studios, which stated they had the rights to her life story for a cool $2,300. That's a little over $6,100 now. The thing is, Martyr was a construction worker by day and a stripper at night with the dream of one day becoming a professional dancer. When Flashdance debuted and earned a cool $201 million, with none of that cash going into Martyr's pocket. Christos Potomitos was the only guard on duty at the Century Armored Courier Corporation when the company was robbed of $11.4 million, the biggest cash theft in America at the time. It didn't take long for the prosecutors to figure out that Potomitos was the inside man, allowing Eddie Argatakos, his partner in crime, to tie him up to make it look like he was overpowered. Potomitos and Argatakos got 15 years, but the thing is, only $1 million was ever recovered. Prosecutors insisted that Potomitas and Argatakos hid the money before they were convicted so they could retrieve it if they got caught. Liam Hemsworth, Emma Roberts, and Dwayne Johnson co-starred in Empire State, which was based on the heist. Did anyone actually see that movie? Here's an odd accolade. On December 26, Time Magazine named the personal computer its Man of the Year, or in this case, Machine of the Year. Finally, one last sports story. After a sixth-place SEC finish in the 82 season, Paul William Bryant coached his final game at the Liberty Bowl on December 29, 1982, in a 21-15 victory over the University of Illinois. After the game, Bryant was asked what he planned to do now that he was retired. He replied, probably croak it a week. He wasn't far off. The beloved coach lived for one more month, dying on January 26, 1983. 1983 was just a few days off. It would be a year where we would see a ride in space, moonwalks, and lucky stars. But that is for next year. You're just going to have to wait a minute or two.